0: Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Stephen Thompson, welcome to the broadcast. Please about yourself and a project that you're currently working on or excited about?
1: Well, Scott, thank you so much. I am uh, glad to be here. I hope I can uh, really uphold the vision of your, your your work to inspire and encourage others. So me, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a person of faith. I'm an educator by profession. I'm a school principal. Uh, now I'm turned into a school developer. I'm also a podcaster, a writer, a musician, and I'm also what I do is called imperfect artist. I do that. And I'm an amateur theologian. So my projects I'm working on right now, the Stephen Thompson Experience is a podcast that I'm working on. And I'm recently venturing into the world of education entrepreneur, educators who become entrepreneurs. I'm working on two things. One, Stephen J. Thompson LLC is my own uh, education company that does virtual courses for families. And my large project is called Axion Education, which is going to be a virtual public charter school in the state of California, beginning in Los Angeles, hopes to open in the fall of 2019, currently going through the authorization process and really want to build a school that says, you know, what are schools for? And I believe that schools are for children and families, and then everything else should be in support of that. And that's really my big long-term passion project that I'm working on right now. So those are the things that I'm working on and uh, putting into the world on a daily basis
0: trying to contribute. Um, do you ever sleep? That sounds like a lot. I do. sleep. <laughs> I, I sleep a lot. It, it's weird. I, I sleep.
1: It, it's funny. You know, I remember when we had a child and everybody said, you won't get it to sleep and sleep training. And that's a big battle. I wish they had adult sleep training because my <laughs> better, I need somebody to fervor and cry me out because I wake up in the middle of the night and uh, it, it's, sometimes hard to sleep. But no, uh, I really have adopted a healthier lifestyle. I, I, I do a lot of things, but I do them very measured tactical with health being a core habit. And, you know, when I started adopting a, a lot of things I did to get myself healthier, mindfulness meditation, and I saw that you can you can produce a lot of things and you can produce them in a healthy way. And if you're burning the candle at the midnight oil, the midnight oil sometimes we celebrate our inefficiency. It, it's not mm-hmm healthy to be saying, I'm working till three in the morning every day. I used to do that. I used to be that person, but it's not healthy. And, uh, you know, I learned through, you know, like Alt-MBA and marketing seminar, a lot of Seth Godin's writing, just really to, when you put together a system and you work that system and you're comfortable with the work you do, you can go to sleep. So I go to sleep at a good time. I wake up the same time every day. I'm just like my dad. It doesn't matter what time I go to sleep five o'clock in the morning, I'm up. So I don't know if that's a product of age, I Don't know what that is, but I do sleep. But Health is a core habit for me and uh, doing a lot of work. I think if we prioritize our time, We can put work into the world that that matters. But if we, you know, watch Netflix all the time or we just lay around or scroll Facebook, well, there's a cost to that. And I'm not anti Facebook. I have a Netflix account, but it's just setting priorities. And uh, that's what I try to do. I think that is proven to be successful if you set priorities for yourself.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, I I love that you pulled right into this wellness piece because you and I have uh, share share a couple of things in common. Just based on what you said, the first is we're both got a lot of projects going. We have a lot of balls in the air, and uh, you know we define ourselves both as husbands and fathers first, and then everything else kind of comes after that. Um, and as busy people doing important work uh, it can be very easy for us to n- develop unhealthy habits that end up working kind of against our our our, our goals right so uh, the mindfulness um, practice must reap benefits beyond uh, just well how, how, do, how do the how does the mindfulness practice do you think? Uh, inform your creative work and all the projects that you're doing.
1: It's amazing. It's one of those things that you you can tell people, but you really have to live it. And I think just slowing my mind down, and it really, I, I had a lot of help. I, I had a counselor who introduced me to the practice. I took some courses on it. I, I worked on it, and it is just amazing because you slow down and you get out of your head And once you're out of your head, you're into the work and you're executing the work and you can just, you know, do things somewhat quicker. So in the past, as a as a musician, you know, you'd sit there and you start to practice a piece and you would be like, Well, what is this person gonna think? What is my, you know, band director gonna think? Am I gonna make first cheer? Am I gonna make second cheer? Am I how's it gonna sound in the concert? Who's in who's in the audience? But if I'm just sitting there go, okay, here's the piece, it's in four four time, starts with a quarter note, hold, rest, I'm just in the piece. And all of that is gone. Mm-hmm. And that that is so it is so liberating because now I'm just it's me and the music and it's me and the work. And it's not me and my story. So and once I take that, I put the story and it, it's interesting because you can't it's like the movie inside out that does it brilliantly. You know, all of our stories are part of us. So we can't. Take our stories and, and kill it, like kill fear. No, that's fear is a part of you. We needed fear. Like, if we didn't have fear, we'd run naked in the street and get hit by cars. So, we need it. And a great book, Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. She said, You've got to put fear in a place. So, what I did, working with one of my executive coaches, they said, Give fear a name. What does it look like? I said, Ann, and Anne is nagging. So, I just say, Look, Ann, sit in the corner in a chair, read magazines, and look for a kernel of truth. So, in your stories and the mindfulness, just doing it every day, 15 minutes using an app. I use Headspace because my mind is racing, but now to be able to get into a place to be calm and it makes me so much more productive and it's powerful because when I start to worry about the future, oh, am I going to have enough money? Oh, am I going to have this? I say, look right now, where are you at? You're in your house. Your wife is sitting next to you. Your son is sitting next to you on the couch you're all together, you have a roof over your head, you have everything is taken care of. Move forward from that space.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that is much more encouraging and liberating because you realize what good is it to, you know, think about the future and then we just never think about it in a good way. It's always, oh, I'm going to walk out and I'm going to get hit by a car or I'm going to run out of money and I'm going to be homeless. And that spins around and that's toxic. It's not your reality, but your story in your head is toxic and it becomes poisonous. And once you realize that and you realize it's almost like you, you have trash, you know, in your house, you never leave the trash, you know, out, you immediately pick up the trash and you throw it away. And there's emotional hoarding that goes on in our head. And we need to take that trash out every single day. And once I realized, you can tr- I could trick myself into thinking I had some sort of moral obligation to obey my story that's going on in my head. And once I realized, no, I don't. I don't have a moral obligation to obey that story. In fact, it's hurting me and it's preventing me from being the best version of me. And let's move forward and get out of that. And I think that is really what has liberated me and has really opened me up to be very productive to other people, like your first comment, does it look like you don't sleep? I probably do a lot more when I started to take time. And there's so much now science that's coming out and the science is catching up. Before I would talk about mindfulness and meditation, people like, yeah, whatever, it's new age, hippie, Eckhart Tolle, you know, Wayne Dyer, and yeah, get out of here with that, we need to make money. Stop talking about stuff like that. No, it's, it's back, okay? I'm not being, re- I don't think you can be reckless you know, but you, it helps me for a purpose. And I think a lot of, we would be better off if we did a lot of it. And I'm very proud to be a part of an organization that is working with mental health and children. And it's one of the things that I'm going to emphasize, you know, in my school is mental health. And it's one thing I've emphasized as an educator uh, with my, not just with children, but with teachers. There's a lot of things we don't want to talk about. We don't, there's always on your staff, somebody who's going through something. You know, I had a, a a teacher who was in Las Vegas and she watched her uh, friend get shot through the foot. And I remember getting that phone call from one of my other teachers that day and I was scared to death. I called her immediately. And it's not just a simple case of, you know, we can help you out or, you know, but this person needs to take the day off. This person needs to heal. I can't tell her, do your work. And that's the same thing with children. You know, I've been in situations where kids are being, you know, their parents are domestic abuse and the kids are acting out and you can't say do your algebra when your mother or father are going through a divorce and let's
0: uh, let's stick a pin in there for just a minute because that's that ties right on back to what you began with with the um with the mindfulness piece so you know i i don't practice meditation per se but i do have a mindfulness practice that most people maybe wouldn't recognize as such but I love what you said about a mindfulness practice that um, makes you present in the here and now. That provides you with a sense of clarity and focus in uh, an endeavor that's worth engaging in and uh, worth paying attention to. Um, you you came up with a phrase. You, you 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 said a, something that that I think is a great uh, would make a great um, a great. Hashtag or something emotional hoarding, and I assume you mean um, negative. You know emotions. I think th- there are some positive emotions that we want to cultivate, but there's certainly a lot of negative emotions that we want to uh, try to disabuse ourselves of. So I, I just just wanted to uh, mention that that piece, but it's also the idea that the mindfulness by putting us in the here and now, making our, us present, helping us clarify what what is and is not beyond our control or within our control and what's important, then um, we can let go of the attachments that we might have unhealthy attachments that we have to outcomes that may or may not serve our, our better angels. And then um, helping us pay attention or helping us, insert sort of pause and and properly define our motivation, intention, and aspiration for whatever it is that we decide to do next. And I kind of heard all of that being encapsulated in um, what you're just saying about uh, you know serving a student that's experiencing hardships at home that prevents him or her from doing well in school, or a teacher having a bad day that prevents him or her from having, uh, you know, doing their best work. So I love, uh, I want to kind of push, push the the agenda here now to um, this idea of your school. And it sounds like you're, you're creating a school where education is a collaborative effort, not just between you and students or you and teachers, but I mean, where everybody involved is involved in a collaboration. uh, And I assume serving some sort of uh, common uh, goal and all kind of executing a common strategy. So tell us a little bit more about your school project. It sounds really fascinating.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it grows out of a lot of things. And one of the things I remember watching Seth Godin's uh, TED Talk, you know, Stop Stealing Dreams. And I started thinking about the idea of, you know, first it enraged me watching it. Then as I, you know, work through that, I started thinking about this concept of let's give, let's not steal them in the first place and let's give them back. And then you see research, you know, Ken Robinson, you know, children are, are genius level divergent thinking and the idea of let's just keep children curious why why damage that and there's the research and data is out there we've seen people learn forever throughout history without intervention from textbook companies without intervention from you know standards learning happens. If you leave a child alone, they will learn. Sugatra Mitra does excellent research on that. So my idea is let's keep children serious. Let's stop stealing dreams and give them back. And let's build, let children do projects. And that's really what I want to do. And and do school in a way that people want to do school. So I've been involved in uh, blended learning, homeschooling. There's a lot of families who want to do school in a different way. They want to do it from home. They want to do it on the road. And my idea is the world is your curriculum, which it is. We don't, why do we need to buy a textbook? I mean, look behind you. There is you, you look on your walls, a picture of Muddy Waters is history. You know, the Blues Brothers is cinematography. The way your guitar is put together is architecture. You have your chair in the background. So we just are looking around your room, and we're putting together curriculum. And I didn't pay anybody any sort of money. And, that's, and that gets people curious. So the idea of that, and families who homeschool do that. So there's always be these situations where, you know, a family would go to Washington, D.C., and they would see the monuments, they would see the presidents, they would see the White House, and then they would come back and they'd be all excited. And then somebody said, well, that doesn't fit the curriculum. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? You know? Or one time I was in my teacher credentialing program and somebody said, we don't need to talk about the dinosaurs because it doesn't fit the standards. And I'm thinking, well, would you tell an archeologist that that the archaeologist's work doesn't matter? we need to be about actual learning. You know, what score did Leonardo da Vinci take? What was his score? What was Einstein's scores? What was, you know, we built a place without standards. So, but we did that because we were curious about learning. And I think with children, we just need to get out of the way and we need to keep them safe. And that's what the research and the data says. So if I have an environment where children can be curious, and children can be passionate, and now you can do that. And then there's the other side, the financial side, which I went to learn You know, going through like Alt-MBA, is that there is a lot of waste that goes on in education, and that waste is usually at a level of positions in a centralized bureaucracy that you really can't point back to a job and work that matters and a lot of times these people aren't the experts but the experts, the teacher gets blamed, uh, the teacher gets resources taken away from them and it's not It's not a case of give people more money it's being a good steward of your money. So for mm-hmm. me my program is more it's both. It's about creating a collaborative environment for a family but also creating an environment where educators who are professionals to, to teach in the state of California, public school, you have to go through, you have to pass at least seven or eight tests. You have to go through multiple programs at the university level, and that gets you in the room. But then we diminish their expertise and we pay consultants. Then teachers lose their agency. They don't realize how powerful they are. They don't, and that that's not... Puff, puff, puff. That's not puffery. It's the data shows you did all of this. So you are the expert. And a lot of teachers don't believe that. So I believe that you can, we can let the experts be the experts, motivate them to be passionate about the career they chose. They chose a career in public service. So they want to do good work. A teacher doesn't go into education to get wealthy, but there are people who have entered into the educational realm that came from outside of it who want to who are using it to get wealthy. And that's what the financial statements read. I read the data, I read the financial statements. So I put together a budget and a leadership style that is collaborative, but it's also at a price point where we can educate a child and we can pay teachers responsibly. And myself as an administrator, I'm not going to take a huge salary. I'm going to take what I think is Good enough for my family to survive, and I also believe that since I'm doing a, it's public education, it's taxpayer money, so I need to be a good steward of that money. And the money is designed to serve children. The money isn't designed to enrich consultant firms, to enrich textbook companies when we don't need them in this day and age. And I, I get in this argument, and people, and I ask people, say, "Well, bring me the research and the data. You know, your textbook company came out." Uh, you know, in the early 1900s, let's look at education in a historical perspective. You know, think about how you know you quote Marcus Aurelius a lot. He had you know private educators. he was working at home. Uh, you know, slaves were educated by good, meaning people who wanted to see the situation ended. It wasn't elaborate, it wasn't a high cost of money. All the research says that an adult working with a child. Will help a child grow academically.
0: And is there a is there a website where people can start to learn more about the the magnet or, or I'm sorry is it a magnet school? The uh,
1: it's going to be a charter school. So, charter yes, school. It's Thank you. A, sorry. It's called it's uh, www.axion.com And uh, that is axioneducation.com with a slash. I'll have to like email that to you. It's a a work in progress. I just put it up. But uh, really one thing, too, is personalized. I want to be personalized. I want a lot of people to talk to me. And that's one of the things I'm working on, too, is personalized education, where every I'm not going to have canned curriculum. I want to build programs around the child's abilities. So let's Mm -hmm. say, for instance, your child comes in and your child likes playing guitar. So we'll say, okay, you like playing guitar. So let's talk about math in terms of guitar. Let's talk about time signature and changes. That's math.
0: Ratios so, and fractions.
1: Right. Awesome. And yeah, ratio fractions. Let's talk about vocabulary. You know, uh, you know, pentatonic scale. What does that mean? Chord changes. What does that word mean? Let's talk about history. Guitar. Let's talk about Les Paul. Let's talk about Muddy Waters. Let's talk about science. We can talk about you know sound waves and acoustics. So all of that, all four academic subjects are right there in a guitar. We don't need to go buy a textbook. We can just go to the library and build projects. Sort of like teaching people how to do that. And you can do that. You can have an individualized program for each child that's moving at their own pace and you can get great academic outcomes. And then I think children are engaged. And I want engagement before information. And and that's what I really wanna get to. And I think if we do that, and we will be able to uh, educate children, give children back their dreams. We break this factory mindset. And, yeah, there's a lot to overcome, but I'm not going to be for everybody. And there will be people, there's already people who think that, you know, it's pie in the sky. But, I, I, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I just need a vote from the school district. Right. I need there's a petition, and I need a yes or no vote. And that's all that I need. So that's the way I look at it. And uh, I, I think, really believe that I can help a lot of children. And a lot of families and a lot of educators out there.
0: Well, I love that um, as we're coming uh, toward the end of our half hour together, Stephen. Um, I wrote several things down that I think are, are just worth highlighting from what you just said. The first is the difference between learning and schooling. And there's a lot of schooling going on in schools right now, but um, not a lot of not a lot of education, not a lot of learning. And I love how you kind of really. Uh, are taking back what that word really to be to to be educated to learn what that really means. I also, on the other end, I, at, my wife and I homeschooled our two sons all the way through high school. So you know that that is our experience and tradition. But I actually began my uh, post college. Working life as a history teacher, um, mostly in private schools, but I did teach in some uh, public in in a public school, and a couple of public schools in Chicago for a while. So I I I have seen um, kind of both sides of things. And one of the things that um, you were speaking to that that uh, is a conclusion that I came to was there's a big difference between being a teacher and a leader and being an instructor or a consultant. Um, You know that teachers are are much uh more generous and much uh more interested in um treating different people differently and serving the needs and desires and dreams of other students whereas instructors just want to drip out information as it was stripped out to them and uh you know collect their their check and go home so kudos to you for um for the great work that you're doing with your your charter school and then just uh, I'll end with this observation because you said you said it a couple of different times. This idea of cultivating curiosity, which of course I love because it's at the heart of my work with creative on purpose, which is to um, in, uh, engage your creative capacity, your um, cur- curious impulse or instinct, and your your courage, because that is the way that you do can, can engage in work worth doing, um, which obviously true education really is, and obviously is um, the work that you're doing. So in addition to your school website, where can people uh, connect with Steve Thompson? We didn't even get to the uh, Stephen Thompson experience, which I want to make sure that everybody uh, here uh, gets a chance to check out. So where can people find you? in various places on the internet. And then where can they engage and, and try out the Stephen Thom- Thompson experience?
1: Sure, great. The Stephen Thompson experience is on iTunes and Spotify, Overcast and Podbean. And you just type in the Stephen Thompson experience on any one of those podcasting platforms and uh, it will come up and you can engage with me there. And then I also have a Patreon page that I just put up. You can find the Stephen Thompson experience there, uh, Instagram and also Twitter. Facebook, yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook right now. Everybody says you should be on it. I just, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's like walking through a bed. <laughs> but it's difficult. <laughs> so, but really, uh, Instagram is really what I'm working on now a lot. And uh, Steve Thompson experience in, on Spotify and iTunes are the best places to go.
0: Fantastic. Well, looks like we have some uh, I just wanted to give shout outs to Malad and Scott, who are uh, tuned in live. We have about 30 people that looks like are are checking us out during the live broadcast. That's always exciting to have you folks joining us here. And so with that, we're going to um, thank everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and your attention. Please connect with Stephen Thompson at the Stephen Thom- Thompson experience on iTunes and his new charter school website. One more time for the web, uh, the charter school, Stephen.
1: So it's
0: education.com. Fantastic. And of course, it's always great to hear from you at becreativeonpurpose.com. Now remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there, take what you've learned here, share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. Stephen Thompson, thanks so much for your generosity in being here and for all the great work that you do.
1: Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. I really loved it and your interview. And I feel like I could talk all day. But anyway, thank you so much. This is great, a great platform. I really appreciate it. Honored being on the show.
0: Thank oh, my, my pleasure, my friend. Looking forward to having you back.
1: All right. Take care
0: thanks so much for tuning in if you're still with us we really appreciate your time and attention please connect with our guests wherever they live online and it's always good to hear from you at becreativeonpurpose.com Now remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters.